When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on Barca Talk, we discuss the latest news from Spain as well as the main player movement rumors. The biggest player rumor of the week is Artur Melo and Miriam Panic to swap teams. Also, we relive Lionel Messi's first goal 15 years ago against Albacete and give our takes on the Andres Iniesta documentary. Hello and welcome to Barca Talk, the podcast for FC Barcelona fans. I'm your host, Gabriel Quiroga in Madrid, Spain, and with me to talk some FC Barcelona from Miami, Alejandro Villegas. Alejandro, hombre, ¿qué tal? What's up, man? It's very <laughs> hot here in Miami, and I saw some people over there in Spain already in the streets. Is it hot over there? I, I heard you were running. How was that? Um, it's not hot. It's sunny. And yes, we have we have a new order that we can go do sport mm-hmm. from... 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. and 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Okay. So I went this morning at 8.30ish or actually closer to 9 and I went for an hour. And like we were talking before, apparently everyone became a runner so during the quarantine. thousands of sports people now, <laughs> just runners on the streets. <laughs> exactly. Because the thing is, the, the rule is if you're just walking, okay, you can only go one kilometer from your house. And they even sent out like an interactive map. So mm-hmm. you can see the radius and all this stuff. But if you do bicycling or running, you can do it anywhere in Madrid. Okay. So that's 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 the key, right? So every so today I went six kilometers running. And after we record, I'm gonna go walk a little bit too afterwards. So there you go. But 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 my body needed it, man. So you can do is it every day or you have like in a specific day during the week or how how is how it's every day. Work? Every day? Okay. It's every day, yeah. So basically the way so like I said, the morning and the late nights are for everyone over, you know, fourteen essentially. And then from ten to twelve and from six to eight or something is the elderly. Yeah. And then in between that is the kids. Okay. Now, so. he, here here in South Florida, they just opened parks and they're going to start uh, opening beaches soon. So it's, it's I, I mean, I'm not glad we're doing it because it's not totally controlled, but I guess people yeah. need to get out a little bit. I mean, it's, it's dangerous still, though. Yeah, it is. And we're going to talk about some things about the leagues in Europe with this idea of reopening too fast. But I mean, man, I can't tell you, like, I was so excited just to like walk. I don't think I can't remember the last (laughs) time I've been so happy to go running. You know, I like to run. I don't mind running at all. I mean, I've become a runner in the last 10 years, but man, just to see, I think more than anything, like the hope of my city of the people out again and kind of slowly going back to normal. And just that just gave me a lot of energy today. So I'm on a, I'm on a natural high today of not only running today, but also just like getting out in the sun and just walking around my city, you know? Well, hopefully that feeling stays with you during the rest <laughs> of this pandemic stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, like we said, even though it's a global health pandemic, uh, Barca continue, con- continues to make news and we oh, have yeah. some rumors and some things to talk about. But the first thing I want to talk about is the idea of La Liga trying to set up a conditional plan to get it started. Now, mm-hmm. Germany was on the forefront uh, as of you know last week to start the season. You know, at the end of May, they're already trying to get training started. But you know, just as as of today and yesterday, you know, Friday and Saturday, uh, Germany may have to go back into quarantine. So this may put a postponement on the German league and. You know, honestly, Alejandro, I don't think we're going to have a season. I just think it's better in one case just to shut it down, have no expectations of this, you know, these contingency plans and all this thing, and just have it in September and just do it well. What do you think? Okay. Yeah, it, this example from the Bundesliga it gives you a, a little of, of a, like an alert, right, for Spain, because they're, they're supposed to start on Monday and do this uh, – practice just with the ball players are going to practice playing by themselves i guess and then we're going to do like four faces and all this and all that and i see uh, they're expecting it to to start again like in a month or so like around june 
and I think I, I still think it's pretty soon to do, especially in Spain and Italy, the the two countries that are that have been hit the the worst, that had the worst part of this pandemic in Europe. I think it's it's a little bit soon, but I mean I hope the the season uh, they can finish the season back in in Spain and in all the leagues in Europe because I don't I don't like to see what happened in France, for, for example, that they just gave uh, PSG the championship and they're, they're champions and the, the the league is not finished. So I, I get that feeling that I want to finish it, but yeah. I see that it's it's too soon because of the numbers. What numbers are saying is that it's not totally controlled. And I, and I, yeah. I don't see how they're going to uh, keep track of every player or every employee that is going to be around the the games so that's the hard part and that's the that's what worries me uh, watching that from here because here in the u.s they're, they're talking about the same kind of stuff but with the nba mlb uh, all the professional sports are trying to get back to and i'm like what we are in the middle of a pandemic and it's not even controlled yet so yeah. but i understand that there's also the economic side of things that i know la liga has a lot of impact in the in the economy over there in Spain. So it's not just because we want to watch some soccer. Watch football, because yeah. It's not just about the, the pure love for sports. I know there's more to it. It's, it's a lot of economic stuff behind it, but that's, that's what worries me. That's, I, I think it's a little bit too soon. I, I, I don't want it to, to have an, another <laughs> spike and it just gets worse and, and do this all over again. And that'll be, that'll be just awful. Yeah, I, I see both sides, right? I see the one side where the government, like let's say in France, yeah, they basically took the decision away from the federation, mm -hmm. right? Because they're just saying like, we just want to get this done. Uh, we're starting, we're stopping the season, and that's it. So now there's no doubt, right? There's no doubt that it's going to start, and then they can just restart and start planning for those contingencies in September, where they still are having the public health. I get that from that point of view. On the other hand, you know, I really miss sport. I really miss, obviously, La Liga and seeing Barca play. Yeah. And I, like you said, it's involved economically here in the country. So it's a huge moneymaker. And I understand that part. But my gut feeling, just from how everything is being laid out, you know, here in Spain, they've laid out a, you know, four-phase, five-phase plan. Yeah. And at, the, and at the very end of it is when team sports can start to participate, mm -hmm. including La Liga. And that's in end of June, essentially. But that's if everything goes, goes right. according. Exactly. Yeah. So every two weeks, you know, everything goes right. And, you know, you have to plan for those contingencies. I understand. I just think that with all these countries having different rules and regulations, along with Champions League, I'm starting to think better and better that they should just cancel and just go into September. And I understand. I understand that with all the relegation, promotion, the money and all stuff. But I just think it's just too hard to plan. And especially here in the summertime in Spain when it's so hot, you're just going to have players dying on the field. Yeah, playing every, play. every three days and it's, it's not yeah. easy. It's not easy. Exactly. So, again, like we said, France and the Netherlands canceled their season. Obviously, Germany is trying to launch theirs. England is still looking at theirs. Spain and Portugal are looking at it. Italy, it's looking more and more like they're probably going to cancel because I just saw an interview with one of the commissioners and he's just like, we, we're we still in quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> like we at this rate, we're going to have a, a league maybe in September and October. So, again, like I said, every country is different with that. I'm just... I don't know. I don't know, Alejandro. I don't know what the right answer, you know, obviously. I think there's said, no right answer, but yeah. I think the safe answer would be to cancel it. But I understand yeah. that there, there's more to it. I mean, yeah. The safest thing would be, hey, you know what? Sports are canceled until next season. So we're going to start in yeah. September. Let's prepare for that. So we're all safe and, and we don't take the risk because it's not worth it. What, what, if it the, what if La Liga starts again and then you find out that one player has it? Yeah. You have to shut it down again. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it, it's going to be a, a huge effort and it, it, go, it could go wrong so easily. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to, I mean, they're taking that risk, but I, I don't know. It, uh, it takes, it takes heart <laughs> to believe yeah, in that yeah. process. Yeah. And the other thing too here, the famous Spanish word polemica, mm -hmm. you know, there's a huge controversy with the testing because, yeah. you know, if La Liga goes back, they're going to have the right to test first. And they, they say they have like 900 tests available for these players. Yes. And that is causing a huge controversy here because the healthcare workers don't have testing and they have the highest rate of being infected. And so that's another reason, right? It's like the money and the power mm -hmm. of La Liga, right? And giving us sport compared to 
these tests for these healthcare workers, who has the right, you yeah. know, and that's another controversy that's happening here in Spain. Yeah. And I talked to Mariana about it because th th there's been a lot of talk about this subject and La Liga bought this test a, a long time ago. Right. Sure. And they're a private entity and they, they can do with their money, whatever they, they want to. That's, that's, that's how it works. Yeah. And we also have to remember that the Spanish government bought some tests that didn't work from yeah. some Chinese weird company. And yeah. that's one of the reasons why this, these health workers are not getting their tests. Anyway, I think we can find a middle ground here. I think La Liga can, I don't know, donate some of this. Like, sure. Try, try, because La Liga, it's, it's also part of society. It's not just a, like an yeah, yeah. isolated company. That, I mean, I'm going to do whatever. No, you, you're part of this. I mean, we're a team as a society, yeah. as, a, as, a, as a country. And I think La Liga can do try to do this to try to like try to make everybody happy. I know it's, it's impossible to make everybody happy, but that way you can help your country not only by giving them sports or entertainment or something to watch or people working and, and all that employment and all that money that people need, but also, okay, we're going to do this to the health workers that are just working every day and saving people. I think that would be a, a good middle ground to try to work up around because if not, if you don't do it, then people are going to keep saying, hey, you, you are just promoting a sport that is not even – supporting our health workers. So yeah, why yeah. are you doing that? I think that yeah. that would be the middle ground for me. Especially after they do the social media campaigns that we're together and all those things, yeah. right? And it's yeah. kind of, you know, you're saying something and you're not following it through. Yeah, so let's get to the next one. The big one here in Spain this past week was Michael Robinson. And for those of you who don't know, Michael Robinson was a uh, commentator here. He wasn't my favorite commentator as I've commentated with you in our rewatchables mm -hmm. about his uh, commentating just because he was British and or Irish. I forget what he was. And, um, you know, obviously he, his Spanish accent, the way he was able to do the commentating, I wasn't a big fan of, but he was a huge icon here uh, because not only did he do the commentating of the games, but he also had a prolific radio show. And then also he had this documentary show, which I really enjoyed. And, Uh, really enjoyed watching him storytell. And that was one of the things that he did really well was he was a really good storyteller, especially in this documentary. And I highly recommend, obviously it's in Spanish, but you can get it in subtitles, the 2010 Spanish World Cup documentary about that team and the way they were able to win the World Cup is just amazing. Did you know anything besides me telling you, you know, when we were doing these rewatchables, Did you know about Michael Robinson and his impact here in journalism? In no, Spain? actually, no, because I mean, I, I've like we we get obviously we get the the Spanish league and games and all that, but obviously we don't get those same uh, sure. journalists or, or broadcasts. But when you rewatch this these games uh, on YouTube or whatever website you use, you get a lot of that kind of plus or what those yeah. Spanish audios, and I like a lot. And I I always wondered who's this. Guy that doesn't even speak Spanish, like right, right. He has a, yeah. a, a, a thick accent, and and that's fine. We all have accents in, in our second languages, but I also I always wonder like who's this guy? But he, he has yeah. to be important. I always thought he he was he was I don't know a, a player or some somebody that 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 was so close to to the game that they had to have there. But once he died. I actually read the name and I, and I remembered that you told me because one of the games that we watched, uh, I think the the that we talked about, I think it was the uh -huh. the zero four at Bernabeu. You told me, uh -huh. like, "Hey, listen to the Michael Robinson commentary." I'm like, "Yeah, sure," and then I realized, "Oh, this is the guy." So that's yeah. why. And and I saw from from what I saw in social media and all the websites and all the sports uh, outlets, I'm like, "Okay, so this guy had a lot of impact." over there in Spain and I, and I understand why but watching the game it, it was it was kind of odd for me yeah. because you're not used to have somebody that doesn't really speak the language in your in your broadcast right yeah yeah and, and here we don't get that we always get like just normal regular spanish Native people speakers, or yeah, or yeah. if you, if you want it in english you go to nbc or whatever and you and you get sure. your your english commentary And and it's an, at a different pace. It's it's a different from the Latino type of just yelling yeah, yeah. Oh, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. but it, it was it was fun because he, he had like that that mix between the the Spanish just passion yelling goal whatever and Michael Robinson with his comments, uh, especially in, in those classicals that I watch with his his commentary. Uh, also with the the Champions League finals, you you get a, a lot of those kind of plus. Uh, or, yeah. I don't know how you call it in Spain, but Canal Mas, or I don't know. 
yeah. but it, that's that, that's what I remember from from Michael Robinson. I haven't watched. I haven't actually watched any of the documentaries that you're talking about. Yeah. So my my main not gripe, I guess gripe with him it was, you know, I knew he was impactful in journalism here on other fronts. Like for example, he had a TV show called El Dia Después, okay. which was the Monday after show, which they would just kind of show like the highlights, but they would also do like little personal features about players or you know, people that are fans of the team. And it just became like this icon show. It was before I came here to Spain and he was one of the head guys on that. I mean, he was one of the pioneers on that. So that's a, you know, when a lot of people didn't have access, you know, this is before the internet essentially. So yes. the only way you can watch the replay of these highlights in a, in a different way than just seeing them on the, on the sports show was this show, El Dia Des West. So he was really impactful in that. And, you know, he was a former player. He was on the Liverpool team in 8045 where they won the treble. So he did yeah. have an impact on that team, but you know, one of the funny stories that he had was he from Liverpool, he went to Osasuna in Pamplona, right? Mm -hmm. And he had no idea where Osasuna was, right? <laughs> so he was telling all his friends that he was moving to Osasuna. And everyone's like, where's Osasuna? And he tells his wife, you know, like, where's Osasuna? He's like, that's not where we're moving. We're moving to Pamplona. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> but he became adopted and he became beloved. And again, I don't listen to radio shows here because I'm just not... I just don't, you know, and radio here in Spain, Alejandro is super popular. Like I'm talking, there are like four sporting radio shows, you know, national that compete and people listen to them like religiously, you know, I just don't listen to those shows because I just, I'm a more of a podcaster than a, than a radio show. Yeah. But Robinson had a radio show that was very popular because he would just storytell. Now I highly recommend, especially since you speak Spanish. Yeah to check out his Informer Robinson documentary series because, like, for example, he does the Gasol brothers, the 2010 World Cup, the 2008 Euro Cup, Nadal, and they're just really cool. You know, it's there's nothing like it here in Spain, and obviously we've seen it in, you know, like on ESPN 30 for 30s, this type of thing. But this is a little bit more serious, and, you know, it's, it's very well done, so I highly recommend it. But, again, you know, he had a long bout with cancer about two and a half years or so, and, and yeah, he his last game, too, was uh, the Atletico Madrid Liverpool match and you know he was caught between because he's yeah. he's a Liverpool guy at heart and he even said in the broadcast like this is this is crazy I don't know how Letico pulled this off and and so forth so again this was a huge news here in Spain all right let's go to the meat to our sandwich of the Barca <laughs> right you know, obviously everyone is just having rumors and so forth. And, you know, last week, Cole and I, we really did a great job of, uh, well, Cole did a great job of breaking down the transfer policies under Bartomeu. And I just want to put this as well. You know, the biggest rumor this week was the Artur Panic swap. That's that's what's going around in the in the blogospheres and so forth. Mm -hmm. Now, Panic played for Roma before. And I have an ex-roommate that I lived here in Madrid who is from Italy, from Roma, and I texted him before and I said, hey, can you tell me your thoughts, your ideas about Panich? And he says, he's a good player, but he's a traitor. So he <laughs> lost my respect. <laughs> and my, my friend Gio is super passionate about Roma, super passionate, right? And then I asked him, I said, well, okay, besides that, do you think he's good enough to play at Barca? And he said to me, yeah, he plays like Xavi conceptually. And I wrote back, I said, question mark, are you sure? And so Alejandro, I'm sure you've seen him play and so forth. Yeah. Your first impressions with Panic coming to Barcelona. Well, first, I think it's not necessary, especially since we have Arthur. He's the, yep. I mean, I, I, and I think Arthur is the closest thing we've seen, even somehow close to whatever Xavi did at his point, okay. even though um, Arthur still needs to work on his, his physical stuff and all that. But... From when I heard the rumors, I'm like, okay, this is just another, just it's just clickbait, I guess. I mean, yeah. I own a website back home, so I, I'm used to like, okay, this is the report, whatever. We know at the end, we know it's not true, but we still write about it. Okay, this is sure. what they're saying. These are the sources. And Arthur, this is not the first one Arthur is involved in these type of things. We have to remember when Lautaro, I mean, Lautaro is still around as, a, as an idea to bring to Barcelona, but Arthur was mentioned as one of the pieces of that, maybe that trade going to Inter. Vidal was too, Semero. I mean, they had so many players that just mentioned uh, we have to remember they're not a lot of news right now, so they have to yeah. come up with stuff. But talking about the player, just forgetting about the journalistic side of things, I think he's just uh, 
too old to do that right now. I guess if, if we did it a couple of years ago, I, I will understand the, the, the movement. Like at the time, I think he's somehow similar to Rakitic at some point. When, okay. when we brought Rakitic, he was, he was young. He was coming from a great season from Sevilla. And I understood that movement. It was great. He was a great player to have. But I, I can't compare Rakitic and Pjanic right now because they're all about the same age. And like, would you bring Rakitic right now from another team? I think that the answer is no. But you would have brought it maybe a couple of years ago, like Barcelona did. I guess we all agree sure. that that's that's a good movement. But right now, I don't see why would you would get rid of a young guy that still has a lot to to keep improving to bring an old guy that I think is just going down in his performance. I remember last, uh, I think it was last year or, or the year before that Pjanic was uh, he was rumored to be talking to Real Madrid actually, and. Even at that point, I'm like, eh, maybe a little too late for him. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it's it's not a guy that you go and, and spend a lot of money right now or, or just give away a player like Arthur that I think most of fans in Barcelona really, really like. I think they, they see Arthur as the future with the young and somebody else that we still haven't figured out. But I don't know. I mean, he's a good player, I guess, but not not somebody that you will see like, okay, we need to bring this guy. I'd rather bring <laughs> Lautaro Martinez for sure. I mean, I'm 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 definitely sure that that's that's the way I would go instead of Pjanic. I don't know what what's your concept about him. You know, it's funny because when you brought up the Rakitic thing, that's exactly who I thought of, and yeah. it, I, maybe it's because he's a white dude. <laughs> and they're both they're both from the <laughs> same both very, same area, both, yeah, exactly, yeah, Croatia exactly. and Bosnia, yeah. But. I was watching highlights and trying to, you know, see, you know, is there any teeth to this rumor? And I just don't see anything where he's a Barca midfielder. No. Now, again, he's talented, but again, I would rather take our tour. I think our tour fits our DNA Perfect. better. Yeah. You know, like you said, he has to get to the 90 minutes consistently. I don't know what's going on with that still. But again, I what's the deal with this rumor? I, maybe, you know, and the other thing too, is he's 30 years old. Right. And yes, he's right at that age where he could fall off the cliff. Mm-hmm. Like we saw with Rakitic one year later, two years, because Rakitic came in at 28, right. Or something like this or 29. So very close. Right. Yeah, I can look it something up. Like yeah. Maybe we should start installing a free agency policy where they have to be under 30. As a you team, know? you say? Yeah. Like as a team, like yeah. bringing in these free agent players, the ones we're going to talk to, they have to be under 30 because then at least you get, four to five years out of them because if you start bringing players at 31 at 32 yeah they could have been great players but we're not going to get the longevity that we need for those free agent signs and i always go back to what's wrong with what we already have we just need to push a little bit more with our depth more than anything like for example i really want to see our tour be the starter the outright starter how is that going to happen yeah. if we keep having these rumors with Panic, for example? Rakitic came to Barcelona in 2014, and he was 26. I mean, so we on. So we had the yeah, yeah, best yeah. years of Rakitic we had yeah. him here in, in Barcelona. So that's why I don't see Pjanic just – why would you do that? I think Arthur still, still has a lot to work on and, and be a better player, but I think that's the guy you want to keep, especially and now. Especially now that Barcelona doesn't really have a lot of players – in the first team, you remember the last couple yeah. of games that they played. They had like three or four guys from the from the B team because they, yep. the other guys were either injured or not ready to or play. Hard, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't I just don't see it. I think it's just clickbait on my side. Especially after what we saw from Arthur, he responded on social media too. He, yeah, yeah. Posted a video and and I mean, he's obviously uh, happy in Barcelona. He was he was a starter before he got injured so much. So and I and I think Kike Setien and even Valverde see him as a starter still nowadays. I'm still sad that he missed that goal in El Clasico. He could have scored that goal <laughs> in one on one against Courtois. I don't know how he missed that, but uh, still, I think he's he's the guy that w- you want to have there, right by uh, Frankie de Jong. I don't see yeah. why would you would mess with that part. I think Barcelona has other problems, maybe in defense, <laughs> maybe as a left back position, and yeah. maybe right back. I think the midfield is, is the the position that maybe we have more depth right now. We have to work on on some young guys for the future, but not not to bring another old guy to be uh, yeah. right by this this group of people. I I don't see. I don't I don't I don't think that's real. And I think also financially we lose. Yes, you know I think Panage is going to be more expensive than our tour, and which is going to bring up to our next thing in a, in a second. But 
you know, Barcelona is trying to clear money. Yeah, but you know? would you pay more for Arthur or for, I mean, if, if they were both free and you have to pay yeah. for them, which one would you pay more for? I would pay more for Arthur. It's yeah, a yeah, for young sure. guy. It is, but he, the thing is, if you're looking at this transfer as a swap, yeah. like for example, if you're Juventus, you know, you have a proven commodity in Pjanic, right? Mm -hmm. So you can ask for Artur and maybe another young player, for example. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think those two, because I don't think Artur is making that much money on top of that. So no, not right now. It's, it's not right now. And you're banking on potential, mm -hmm. which I think Artur has more potential if we're looking at it right now, yes. just from at a Barca point of view, right? And I obviously Pjanic is, is good on free kicks, but from what I saw in the videos, and obviously, you know, I take this with a grain of salt with the YouTube videos because they're taking the best moments. You know, he's fine. He's a direct midfielder, and that's fine. But I just don't think he fits the Barca DNA. Now, we just compared, you know, Pjanic to Rakitic. And, you know, the, the, the rumor with Rakitic is still that he wants to go back to Sevilla. However, financially, Sevilla cannot afford him. So one of the things they're trying to work out is maybe that uh, Rakitic signs an extension mm -hmm. and he gets a pay reduction And then that will help him move to Sevilla. What say you about this? Yeah, that, that's the only move that makes sense because, especially because he's he's happy with uh, Spain. He likes mm -hmm. the country. He likes the city. The only city he can come back to is Sevilla. I mean, he met his wife there. He the, the uh, his family's wife lives over there still. Yep. Uh, he's he's probably deep in his heart. He's like Sevillana too. Like he's yeah yeah yeah, and he yeah, yeah. and he's probably deep in his heart. He's still a, a, like a Sevilla fan, but that's that yeah, way. Yeah. That's where he like finished his development as a player, and I think that would be a good point, a good place for him to to finish his career, especially because Sevilla Sevilla is not a, a team that is is fighting for relegation or anything. They're they're still fighting for to get in the Champions League. They're still fighting to to. If if they don't get the Champions League, they can win the 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 Europa League. I mean, it's a it's a competitive team still, and I think he will be happy over there. That's I mean, <clears throat> that's probably the more realistic option because they wanted to sell him last um, last summer. They wanted to sell him to Juventus, to Inter, to whoever was interested. But I think they they were asking too much for him at that point, yeah. and with this economic crisis that we're looking at right now. I mean, all prices are going down, and it's, it's going to be hard yeah, yeah. to to fill that all that money that you're talking about. You, I, I guess you said like around 70 million or whatever. And yeah, they have to they have to get to they have to close on. Well, their goal was to get rid of 124, and they still have 70 to get rid well, of by June 30th. They so. have. I mean, what are the options? Rakitic and Vidal. That ends up his contract next year. Those are two options to try and sell. If they, if you don't want to keep Coutinho, that would be another option. But you have to think. I mean, yeah. how much other teams are gonna get uh, really give you for him? I mean, it's it's not that easy. I think that the realistic option for Rakitic is going back to Sevilla, to to his family, to all what he lived there, and and finish that cycle over there. Something similar to what I don't know Jesus Navas did. I mean, he he signed uh -huh. for Manchester City, and then he he came back, and he's now he's fine in Sevilla right now, I think that would be the, the the realistic option because if if you don't do that, if you don't go with that, you're you're gonna end up just losing the player at the end of his contract and that's what Barcelona doesn't want, right? You wanna at least get some money back from from that asset that you have right now. Again, I I think he's still a viable player for Barca. I, yeah for example I, I You know, I will keep him. I, If you ask yeah, me, I will keep him as a as a but as a backup player, not not yeah, as a yeah, starter. But I, I I understand the the monetary part. They need money, and I, I mean it's a business. I understand, but I mean, how much are you really going to get from Rakitic? Yeah. That's that's all. That's all I'm thinking about is, you know, if you're going to go with this policy of not promoting B players to give you depth, then I think Rakitic is a really good depth player because he can spot start if someone gets hurt. He's comfortable under high stake games. He can come in, you know, in the 70th minute and give fresh legs. Yeah. And I know you're paying a lot for a sub, basically, but you have to think about the whole contract as a whole. He's already given us, you know, three to four years as a starter, mm -hmm. and this is just a natural progression. And I think he's still viable as a player. But, you know, Kiki Zetian, especially going forward, needs to figure out a way to utilize him and unlock him like Lucho did because I still, I mean, I think as him as a 
technical player. Like he can do the things that you want him to do. Obviously, I don't think he's the best passer, you know, when I think of, of Rakitic. Yeah. But I also think of all the other things that he does where he presses back. He's good on defense. He can give you an occasional goal. I mean, think about the goals he scored throughout his career. So I think keeping him is a better option than just selling him for peanuts just because you want to bring in another player like Panich, for example. Well, now that's a great example. And that's why, I mean, I love Rakitic. I like he's He's probably one of my favorite players of this last couple of years. But I understand that they want to sell him. And, and especially after the, what they did at the beginning of the season when uh, Valverde yeah. wouldn't even put him in the list for the games. I think that that was awful. And that, that was just bad by, by the club doing that just because they wanted to sell him. And I think he showed he wants to be here. I mean, there in Barcelona, and and that he wants to be part of this team until I mean the contract just expires, and and that's I, I agree with you. I would just keep him and and have him have him there in in the bench and coming, and especially if you see the numbers this season, he played a lot with with all the injuries, with the Vidal injuries, with the uh, Sergio Roberto's problems. Uh, all that he had to play a lot, and we have to remember for the for the game against Napoli, we don't have Vidal, for example. So probably yeah. Rakitic was going to be starter, and a play a player like that. I mean, I would keep it, but I I think that that's that's not the plan. Yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens because you know obviously Rakitic really wants to stay in Barcelona still because he still feels like he can contribute, and that's the idea. It's you know I was telling you before I've been watching the Michael Jordan documentary, mm -hmm. you know, with Phil Jackson and that type of thing. It's It's the ability to use every player on your team and to have them feel connected, pulling on the rope, right? Yeah. And, you know, Valverde stopped doing that for whatever reason with Rakitic, and I think it's, he's just been disconnected from the team. So, like we just talked about, we just kind of just hit on it really quick about the, you know, Barca put on a self-imposed kind of budget that they're trying to get rid of $124 million by the end of the summer. And so far, actually by June 30th, and so far mm -hmm. they've only gotten of about 50 essentially so they still have 70 to go and they just don't have that many options you know like we just talked about Coutinho right I would say Coutinho is the biggest highest price player where you can get a chunk of that back but Alejandro no one wants Coutinho man yeah Bayern <laughs> I guess I mean this is our reports too uh, we don't know anything we don't have sources uh, Bayern's supposed to be giving him back in this summer so that's uh, 20, uh, 120 millions that we're not getting Yeah. <laughs> so that's I mean I would keep Coutinho too and trying to I mean restart and do and know do something different with him because that would be a great midfield. If you have Coutinho, Frankie de Jong and Arthur or, or Busquets or whatever that mix up there, I mean that's a yeah. good team. But anyway, I don't I just don't see I mean I guess Vidal is going to be the one out. You don't have any other options besides Vidal and Rakitic to sell out there. I mean, if nobody wants Coutinho, those are your two options. Can I drive Vidal to the airport? <laughs> <laughs> I like I, just, I like Vidal because I need this team needs some of his heart. Like with Braithwaite, he's not a great player, but you need somebody there that just gives the team that spark sometimes because sometimes the team is just dead. And you see from Vidal, you don't you don't have those moments. I mean, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know, I know you don't like him. That's fine. That's fine. I mean, from the documentary, that's what everyone says. He has heart. I said, great, he has heart, but he sucks on the field now. So I don't want that. You can be a cheerleader on the team, but I don't want to count on you for success because you just don't do the things I want us to do to look nice on the screen. You know, that's that's my biggest thing. But, you know, with Vidal, I just don't see Vidal leaving either because he's part of that Sudamericano trio, yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, he I has mean, one more year and after that he can yeah, leave and that's it. Yeah, but you know who is one of his really good friends is Messi, and yeah. Messi has a lot of pool, you know. So, but you know that his case is it's a little similar to Suarez, maybe that they're both uh, getting old and they're both kind of good. But I don't know if if Barca is gonna resign them both. But this is the problem that goes back to we don't have a board and a sporting director that has a vision for long term and short term, right? Yeah. They're just doing everything short term. They're just feeding all these rumors. And this is the biggest issue. I mean, as Cole and I broke it down last week with all the bad transfers we've done, mm -hmm. more than minus 400 million euros, you know, yeah. more than, right? Again, it's this disconnection of not promoting youth players, spending way too much on players that aren't even Barca DNA, and then just having them for one season and just shipping out and losing money. It's just really bad sense everywhere. I, you know, with Vidal, everyone knows my opinion about Vidal. I just think 
we can get other players with heart mm-hmm. that actually are better on the field than Vidal. But anyway, let's let's go into a happier moment. Okay. A happier moment. So May 1st, 2005 was Messi's first goal. So obviously Barcelona had a anniversary photo and video about this. Um, I just want to highlight just two things about this goal. The first thing was the first goal was ruled offside. Yes. Right. Same play. Yes. And they did the same play in the second attempt. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if anyone doesn't know, right, it's Ronaldinho doing a chip pass to, to Messi and Messi chipping the goalie. And I know it's just poor Albacete, but but still to, to try to do that two times in a row within four minutes of each other is incredible. And obviously just that goal just encapsulate, encapsulates what we were going to see for the rest of his, you know, for the rest of the seasons of him at Barcelona. Yeah, it's like a pass de baton moment, right? Like you yeah, have yeah. The, the greatest of that those years, Ronaldinho, the, the one that brought Joy back to Barcelona and all that. And, and we had... At that point in soccer, there were a lot of number 10s playing. Like that position was really respected. And whoever was number 10 used to play there where Ronaldinho played. And you had Messi playing on the left side, which was something weird. If if you see him right now, he never goes to that side anymore. It's 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 weird just watching him, but it's it, I mean it was a great moment. I remember watching him live, and it's it was like this is the replay. No, it's just they, they just <laughs> did it again, and it's it's awesome. You see young Messi just excited to be there, and Ronaldinho smile. I mean it's it's a great picture and a, and a great memory for Barca fans. I mean I just can't get over that they did it twice. Yeah. I, I just think that, <laughs> that is so you know schoolyard football. I love it so much, but yeah, again, it's just a great moment because he comes in, you know, it's a one nothing game too. It's not as though Barcelona was winning six nothing yeah. and this is just kind of, you know, globetrotter football. Like Albacete was still in the game and and him to come up with this goal and again, everyone's probably seen the video, but it's just it's still just great to see it. Now let's go into another player rumor that I'm kind of a little furious with. It's uh, Borussia Dortmund wanting Ansu Fati. Now, Ansu Fati was pivotal in some parts, especially in the beginning of the season Mm -hmm. when we had no Dembele and so forth. But what's Barcelona thinking with this move? Well, what I'm thinking, and and I talked about this with Mariana too, like Ansu Fati needs minutes, right? And mm-hmm. and and I know you want him maybe going to the B team, but I think he's already at the level that he needs like uh, first class soccer rivals, right? Not playing B teams from other uh, like not playing second division right now or third division or whatever. I think he needs maybe it's not Dortmund, maybe it's another team in La Liga or, or I don't know. He needs minutes somewhere that he's not getting right now in Barcelona, and he, that he's not probably not gonna get. If you have if you have Griezmann there, Messi. Suarez and they're all healthy and Sofati is not going to play and you can just have him in the bench and not uh, getting those minutes that he really needs right now so I would either chip him somewhere like as a loan whatever you can play there one year two years and, and trying to develop you or like you said sending him to the B team that would be my other option but never selling him, of course. I, I would never sell yeah. him to, to Borussia or whoever. We can give Borussia Dembele back if they want. <laughs> well, Half price. <laughs> yeah, yeah, So you said he – I I mean, honestly, I would put him in Barca B. And I'll give you my points here. I think, yes, he is good enough to play at this level. We've seen it. Yeah. And it's not just, you know, one game. It's, you know, he needs more minutes. But I just think – he needs to get more confidence playing against Barca B type of competition and dominating and scoring goals there mm-hmm. for one year, let's say, and then going to a first division team. Like let's, I'm just throwing a team out there like Villarreal, for example, yeah. like something like this. Right. But remember he's 17. So yeah, he's still young. Yeah. He's super young. So I want to see him because he jumped, right. He didn't go to Barca B. He just jumped. Yeah, He went straight I from yeah. I want him to get more confidence as a, you know, get that confidence like he's a badass, right? That he can score at will against lower competition. Mm-hmm. And I think that is missing a little bit of that swagger, right? Like he's obviously when he was playing against these top flight teams with Barca, you know, he's not demonstrating all that because he's still young and he doesn't have that confidence. I want to give him that confidence where he's scoring 20 goals for Barca B. You know, I want to see that for at least one season and then take him to another team and then bring him to Barca if he's ready. But Again, I just think it's really tricky with these young players because, like you said, he's not going to get starting time because if we're healthy, he's seventh back, right? Yeah. And it's one thing to train, 
but also another thing to get that playing time. And I think that's really vital. So I'm just, I'm sticking my flag into Barca B <laughs> Island for all these young players. I just think also we can keep him in house. We can watch him more. He can also do Copa del Rey matches. And you can bring him up whenever you need him. Exactly. This is, this is the thing. I think we have more flexibility that way. Yeah. This is my vision as sporting director campaign 2020. Yeah, that's fine. And I, and I think, I mean, he's still young. And like we said, uh, if you see the same example of Messi, I mean, it's not, I'm not saying he's Messi right now, but like if, if we didn't give Messi the chance at Barcelona, we never would have known what he was capable of. Of course, of at course. that point, the, it, it was a hard moment for Barcelona. I guess it was easier to get to the first team, especially with Messi's talent and all that. But still, I think, I mean, if you loan him for, I mean, it would be one year or if you send him to Barca B. But right after that, the next season, you have to just name him a starter. Okay, you're going to be our, my starter even though you're 19 right now. Because if, if not, you're going to start not giving him enough minutes. You're going to start just growing that doubt inside of him. Like you said, like he's still young. Maybe he doesn't know how to handle it. Hey, I'm not a starter. They're not giving me minutes. I want to get out. Like what, whatever happened to Carles Perez. I mean, Carles Perez was a, was a young player. He could have stayed in Barca and, and just waited out and like, let me wait for my chance or whatever. It just didn't happen. And how many players we've seen, how many young players we've seen from Barca, like, okay, I'm going to leave. Like we saw when, with uh, Gerard Piquet, he left for Zaragoza, then he le he went to Manchester United, and then he came back as a totally different player uh, for Barca, even though he wasn't even a starter in that Manchester United team. So I think that's that's something that I I want I think it will help Ansu Fati like get real competition with the the first division sides. That's that's what I want to see for him. But I understand he's 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 still young. I mean, you can you can yeah. take it easy and maybe think about like a two year plan when you can really finish his development and then give him the, the shot at the first team. So think about this. Let's say he scores 20 goals in a Barca V campaign. Then all of a sudden you get that loan. Yeah. It's going to go up. Yeah. Right. All of a sudden, because now you have concrete evidence of him scoring goals right now. I think he scored three goals, something like this or two, you know, and he's had the potential the flash, this type of idea. But again, I want to keep him in house. I want to scout him. I want to have him longer in our environment so he continues to develop with the Barca DNA and then do the trajectory. You know, even PK, you know, like you said, he went to Zaragoza and then Manchester United, but he still spent more time, you know, under La Masia and so forth and then went to Zaragoza. And Zaragoza too was a good jump, you know, it was in league in that time and so forth. But but he also did a little bit later too. Yeah, right? yeah, he, he was older that. than Ansu Fati. Yeah, exactly. So that's the other thing we have to keep in account. Again, I... You know, along with this rumor, you know, obviously, again, I don't know if it's clickbait or just uh, <laughs> rumor in the wind that, you know, Barcelona is also interested in uh, Janon Sancho. And again, I ask why if we can't even afford other players, how are we going to afford Sancho? Sancho is like the other Dembele now. Yeah. And, right. And we have, and we have to remember we, we bought Trincao already from Benfica. Yeah. So we have we just have like 10 forwards and we don't know what to do with them. It's. I, th I hope it's just a rumor. I, I mean, Sanchez is a great player. Uh, I guess he scored some goals in the Champions League and, and yeah. got a lot of people talking about him. But I, I like I said, I, I don't think we need him right now. I think yeah. maybe, maybe if you buy him and you loan him to another team, I will understand. Like as a future plan or whatever, that would be the only option for me. But having having what we have in Barcelona right now, he's not necessary. Yeah, we're just in complete flux, you know, because especially with Dembele's injury, which we don't know what we're going to get from that, you know, going forward. Yeah. Again, I understand that the forwards is always going to be the sexiest free agent mm -hmm. picks, you know. But again, when I look at back at our most impactful, the most impactful, I think of Jordi Alba and Danny Alves. Yeah. You know, the way they were able to change the game. I mean, we've been able to rotate forwards in and out, you know, and we still continue to score goals. That's never, the issue is always like our back line and how good our midfield is to do the other things. Now, again, I just, we just need more vision and short-term and long-term, but also, you know, having all these rumors with these <laughs> players, it's just, it's just, it's, it's baffling. It's baffling. Anyway, the last thing I just want to really want to touch about is the Iniesta documentary. It came out on Rakuten TV. I watched it. It's amazing. I know it'll come to Netflix hopefully soon, so you'll be able to watch it. I just want to give you three points. Hopefully this year, please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So the first one, so basically it's, you know, a typical documentary. They interviewed about 20 to 30 people, you know, family, friends, teammates, you know, all these things. And they just kind of went through the specific greatest moments that he had. So obviously the Chelsea game, the Spanish World Cup, and obviously his last game because that's what they really did. Now, the thing I really liked about this episode or this documentary was that he really went about 20 to 30 minutes talking about his depression when his friend Denny Harkin died. Right. And it was really eye-opening because, you know, we saw him when the 2010 World Cup scored the goal for Spain. But all that stuff leading up to that, and also you'll see it in the Informe Robinson documentary, mm-hmm. where he was such in a bad place mentally. And he went to a, psych- a psychologist, got it figured out, turned it around. And on top of that, he's talking about it openly. And I just thought that was really refreshing. It's it's awesome because I remember the, that, that, I mean, the bad news with Harkey. And the moment when he scores that goal against uh, the Netherlands in the in the World Cup, and he takes out he takes off his his jersey, and you see he, the dark Danny dark, uh, Harke's name on his chest. I think that was that. I mean, he just scored the the, the most important goal for Spain's history, maybe in in yeah. soccer. And I mean, that's why people in Spain love him. That's why I mean, he was a perfect guy to get that goal. But guys, I'm I'm sure if I don't know, Sergio Ramos or Piqué or any yeah. other player that is just not, is somebody's not going to like him, but who doesn't like Iniesta? I mean, Iniesta is like the perfect guy who could have scored that goal. And, and I mean, life always gives you these second chances, right? Like yeah. you lost your best friend and now you get to score the, the, the goal that just gives you the, the World Cup. And, and that's, that's awesome. And it happens in sports all the time. It's just these moments always stay with you because they're just special. Yeah. And, you know, the, the next thing I want to talk about, which, you know, it's one of those things that I'm, I'm well aware of it, but I just keep forgetting about it. And I, after watching the match day documentary, mm-hmm. I watched an interview with Xavi with Valdano, which is a famous uh, real Universal Valdano, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then watching the Iniesta documentary was all of them touched on it is the stress mm-hmm. of being in Barcelona. And, not only obviously performing at a high level, but everything that goes along with it. Because Javi pointed out to it, he said, I love living in Qatar because I can just relax. Yeah. He said, for I think 15 years or whatever, how long he was at in Barcelona, he said, I could never relax on the weekends because I was so always stressing about the games that were coming up. And Iniesta in this documentary brings up the same idea. He's like, I'm in Japan. Yes, people you know ask for autograph stuff, but it's nothing like in Barcelona. But more importantly, I can just breathe and relax and just play. And I just thought that was a very interesting kind of comment from all these documentaries I've seen in the past couple it of weeks. It brings me back the memories from watching Luis Enrique and Guardiola. And, and when they asked him like, yeah. why are you living? Like you just won everything yeah. with this team. You're with the team of your heart, of your life. That you, I mean, your team, why are you living right now? They just can't do it. It's just too much pressure. It's yeah. the press. It's, it's just being in that atmosphere, even though you are in the greatest place on earth right now, you're like, no, yeah. I have to get out of here because they, they just, It's, it's hard to believe, but they just stop enjoying soccer. It yeah. becomes like an obsession and it's not, it's not even uh, the same game that you used to just love because of the game, because we, we just love the game and that's it. It becomes like a pressure. You have to do well or people are going to start just putting more pressure, more and more pressure on you. So that's, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to, to get it from this side, right? Where fans are, we're always like wanting more and more from our team. We want to yeah. win everything. We want to win every weekend. But we don't see that other part, right? Like the, the, yeah. they're human too, of course. And they get that pressure. They, they get that feeling from, from the fans, from the press, from everything around them. It's websites. It's journal. I mean, it's it's everything. They have to just get, somehow find a way to not read any of that and watch a movie with their wives or whatever, stay with their families. <laughs> But it's hard, man. You're there. You're training every day. You play on the weekends. You're you're back on Monday early morning, and you're practicing again. And I was watching. I watched a a, a little piece that they did in, in the Barcelona. They have it in the Barcelona website with the Lucho, the the Lucho friends mm-hmm. or whatever, with the, all the, the entire team that he has, and they looked so happy doing their job yeah. right now, right? And yeah. and and you you ask yourself like how how hard had he has to get for people that love their job to just say like, you know what, man, I'm out. <laughs> I can't handle yeah. it anymore. Yeah. I mean, I, it was funny because when Valverde quit 
And then, you know, I think he was in two months of hiatus where he hadn't been in public. Yeah. And then, went to, and then showed up at a coach's conference, like in a sweatsuit, <laughs> completely relaxed, like didn't have a care in the world. And everyone's like, wow, you look so, <laughs> yeah, with a beard too on top of that. So it was like a new guy. But again, this, it's one of those things where, you know, we're only talking about mostly, I mean, mainly the top 10 football clubs in the world, right? Yeah. You know, Juventus, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Chelsea, you know, like these teams that are not only a pillar inside of their league as the top team, but also worldwide, yeah. right? right? They have worldwide following. I mean, you think about like the NBA, for example, and, you know, let's say my team, the Warriors, right? Yeah, sure. In the States, they're very popular because it's a big city and so forth, but they don't have the on top of the worldwide pressure yes. as well. You know, so it's like this double thing. So it's crazy because, you know, coaching, maybe, maybe sometimes it's better to have a foreigner coach who doesn't speak Spanish, so doesn't hear all the noise. You know what I'm saying? You're talking about Zinedine Zidane, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because that's the thing is like, there's so much noise, right? And if you're native, you're going to hear everything. Yeah. yeah because but, Barca, I remember they brought uh, Tata Martino, remember, but he spoke Spanish. So it was, it was about the yeah. same and he, he just left, man. I mean, they, they kicked him out, but yeah. he couldn't handle it either. It was, it was hard. Yeah, yeah. But that's the thing is that maybe if you get a foreigner there that doesn't speak Catalan, right, and doesn't hear all that noise, yeah. then maybe the stress levels go mm -hmm. down a little bit. But like, for example, with Pep and Lucho and Valverde to an extent that can especially, you know, they can understand and communicate in Catalan. Then all of a sudden, you know, you're getting bombarded by two languages yeah, right. in press conferences and media and so forth, you know. So it's like this whole conglomerate. But And I want to say the last fun thing about this is I love Iniesta's kids. <laughs> like his kids rock, man. They just seem like, I mean, obviously I'm just getting this from the profile, watching them on social media course, and right. so forth, but they just look like fun kids. They don't look like out of control kids. And the life that they're living in Japan is just incredible, right? I mean, obviously Iniesta is a high profile player. He has a, a really nice setup there in Kobe and, you know, he's really enjoying his time there as a project. And eventually he does want to come back to Barcelona, as he said in this documentary. But at the moment right now, he's really happy over there in Japan trying to develop this project. And also he has other things that he's doing alongside with Rakuten, who is one of the big sponsors there of the football team. So, you know, obviously I do recommend it because, you know, Iniesta is the best. Obviously, he's one of my top five favorite players of all time. But this documentary just kind of just even persuade you even more to love him if that's even possible you know because you're just like oh just i want to give him a hug you know you're just like oh iniesta you know and it's great because it goes into depth with the chelsea goal which is obviously a great moment and he you know they talk to pep and they talk to you know rival players and so forth wait did you know this that peter check speaks spanish i didn't know that and he speaks it well <laughs> How did he play in Spain or something? I have no like idea friend? because all, <laughs> no, because when they were doing the Chelsea yeah. thing, all of a sudden he started speaking Spanish. And said Peter Jack speaks Spanish. What's going on here? And I and I googled it, and sure enough, and he spoke really well. Like he didn't need subtitles or anything for the documentary. So, and again, international football, right? Everyone just speaking different languages. But once it comes out, I definitely recommend it. And yeah, I hope it comes out soon so you can check it Hopefully. out. Hopefully, I'm still waiting for Match Day and for that documentary here in the US. It's coming. It's coming because it's it's free now. Uh, Netflix, well, not free. It's in Netflix in Latin America and Canada, so it's getting closer right now. It's getting closer. It's, getting it's migrating. <laughs> it's migrating. It's migrating. Yeah. All right, good. So that's all we have for this weekend. I mean, obviously, you can see all the rumors and you know our opinions on this. So, you know, thanks for listening. We'll continue to monitor these rumors. La Liga and FC Barcelona news. Until next time, Visca Barça. Sports Social Podcast Network.